0: Thank you.
1: To wake up, it's time for you to get up. <laughs> Although it's uh, 10 p.m. at night. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Appeal, A.K.A. Walker's Appeal. This is on the Wake Up Radio. Shout out to Sister Cindy Ashby, uh, the best, the best, the hardest working woman in showbiz, and uh, my brother Rob. What's going on, Rob? Doing well. Yeah, and I, I Emma, Oz Brian, <laughs> and we are uh, here for the blackest hour of your week. You know it always. Uh, in the appeal fashion, we function with the spirit of St. Kofa. Uh, looking back to understand uh, where we are and where we must go. I mean, I guess uh, I guess I had a good week, right? But it, flew, it flew by. I guess. Yeah. I mean, or maybe that's just time in general. But well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. So um, it's been a hell of a week. <laughs> it's been a hell of a day, actually. We're gonna be discussing quite a few things today. We're gonna to start off. I guess we're gonna start off talking to James, <laughs> Letitia James, AG for New York State. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's been a. It was maybe three or four weeks since she announced that she was going to run for governor,
0: and that ended today.
1: <laughs> that ended today. She canceled that. Grand opening, grand closing, and um, we're going to discuss uh, why that might have been. Uh, and what that means for that race uh, going forward, and other races, because there's a domino effect. Right? That's how this stuff works. Also, we're going to be examining, we're going to be examining, uh, Malcolm X's one of Malcolm X's great speeches, um, uh, "Message to the Grassroots." Uh, as uh, we see ourselves as grassroots, we definitely a big business. <laughs> We definitely ain't consultants.
0: We're grassroots.
1: We from the bottom. We get it out the mud. We're also uh, going to be uh, looking at yeah. So, so I don't only do a podcast. I'm a fan of podcasts, as many of you know. There's a couple that I I listen to quite faithfully. Um, uh, One of them being Code Switch. uh, Another one of them being uh, some of my best friends are. And this week, you know, both of them were, were talking about looking at re looking at uh policing. Worlds without policing. Uh so uh Dr. Brother Khalil Gibran Muhammad, he was looking at uh, a world without policing, right? Uh alternatives to policing and and, and prisons. Yeah, we're going also talk I, I didn't mention we're also gonna get to uh Comer Cottrell. Um <laughs> Uh, we're going to remember him. You uh, may not be familiar with the name, but before this episode's over, I- I'm sure you will be much more familiar with him. An appreciation of, of, of what um, the roles are supposed to play, right? Everybody is supposed to do everything, but we're all supposed to play our, our role, right? Whatever our talents are. And then uh, to close out, we're going to look at John Brown. Uh, This is the anniversary of his raid on Hopper's Ferry. He was hung this week. (laughs) Um, And uh, I had an interesting conversation about, you know, folks trying to be good allies. (laughs) Yeah, so Tish James, um, she dropped out of the race this morning. Um, And by this afternoon, there was other articles about her uh, trying to get Trump to testify. And dropping out of the governor's race, and saying that she was going to focus on reelection for AG.
0: Her being effective as an AG is a silver lining. Honestly, right now, anybody looking to run for governor, you're picking up a mess, and you're in the middle of a, what is, for all intents and purposes, a failing state government with no money. Okay. Point blank. Okay. Yeah, okay. So it's a great opportunity if you like challenges. You know, but for her right now, honestly, yeah, it wouldn't be the best move. It'd be a high profile move. It'd be a headline grabbing move (laughs) It's some party shit.
1: So who would, who would be good as your governor in, in, in your vision then? I
0: ain't got nobody on my list that qualifies right now. dude. Let's face it. The pickings are pretty slim.
1: So, so, so. The Democrats don't have a, a good AG. Day. You see, it has a good AG. You ain't no, gonna. I said no.
0: she's effective. There's a difference. Oh,
1: oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, she's effective. So, um, so, uh, what do you think she got?
0: I don't know. I'd have to look at her bank account. Do so you think she got <laughs> oh, funny. I don't money? I don't I'm, think it's I'm, money outright either. Usually that's I'm way too funny. crass for the way that they move. But yeah, exactly. It's just that they would throw cash at somebody who has, like, no real use or imagination. It's just like, yeah, no, 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 yeah.
1: they, they gave her some power.
0: If anything, they gave her something not just power, but something within the party's power structure.
1: Now, now are you okay with that?
0: No, if I was, I'd be a Democrat.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, man! Um, so, uh, sidebar. It's kind of interesting what they're doing with Chris Cuomo, right? Uh, I, I, I like that.
0: I'm like um, actually uh, that actually surprised me. That was the closest thing I've seen to accountability in a fucking decade.
1: <laughs> oh man, his brother ain't coming to no war. We don't need you.
0: And anything that gave them access to that click. And it solidified their connection to one of the two major political wings of the party it
1: had nothing to do with his, his abilities as a journalist.
0: They could have found a dead prostitute in his <laughs> office with a needle hanging out her arm and they wouldn't have given a fuck. Oh man. This Okay. Let's be honest. How, not it, was le- it. it was what? Maybe two years at most, maybe two years ago or so how many different reporters were found with all, co- did we just forget the whole me too thing? Is that over with now? Is well, They're done with that. Right. I mean, Cuomo I seem to, I seem to remember all types of people Trump Trump CNN having Trump. issues.
1: Cuomo did get me too. So it's still, but
0: that's what I'm saying. So, so when it was still, when he was still useful, it was all okay. None of this shit is new. None of this shit is news. This was all known within their circle. That's why I don't give none of this gets actual credit for being done because it's the right thing. It's not even being done the you know, right way, specifically. They're barely people. <laughs> That's why I have such little regard for them. No, they get no credit for this shit. You knew, they, knew he was come back.
1: When you say they, you mean CNN? The, yes. Okay. Okay. And
0: all the unfortunate souls who still take them as a source of real information.
1: Yeah that that was that was crazy. Uh, I mean I mean I, I liked it. I did. I, I did get seeing seeing Chris Cuomo get kicked to the curb. I
0: yeah. Loved it. it feels okay, but that's just that's what I mean. There's no real comeuppance. The most we can hope for in this world is to get a televised little you know dirt on somebody. They get their five minutes of shame. Shame, shame! As they walk, you know, a, the media freaking. Purple. Yeah, but it's not even a real purple. None of these motherfuckers actually go to jail. Oh yeah, no,
1: yeah. I don't think anybody's going to jail.
0: No, it doesn't matter what. After you get a certain level of exposure or income in this country, you're basically an out, like, a, not above the law, but outside of the law, but not in the bad way, like an actual outlaw. OJ
1: Simpson
0: no not even because no, OJ still went to trial these motherfuckers commit obvious crimes they'll do a story on the obvious crime and then they'll do like a Mia culpa tour and write a book about it and people just go oh well I guess they're sorry they're not sorry they're not even paying a real consequence these motherfuckers make money off of the book deals and off the speaking tours yeah. and all of a sudden we just kind of let it go because they're popular enough fuck that that's so, like this, I said. I I don't give them any. This is a stage show. The fact so, that he actually got a little bit of a curtain call doesn't impress me.
1: So Tish James dropping out the race is is not without consequence. Uh, good and bad for some people. So you know mm-hmm. this really should shape up pretty good for Jumani because Jumani does again. Tish James would have had to give up AG to run for governor. Mm-hmm. Jumani does not have to give up public advocate to run for governor. So he's still in the race. Uh, That means the the Uh, the, the uh, fellow Brooklyn uh, is no longer uh, in the race. Uh, In your
0: heart of hearts, do you honestly think he's got a snowball's chance in hell of making it as governor?
1: Do I think he has a snowball's hell in chance of making
0: governor? A snowball's chance in hell in July of making it to the governor seat. Let's be Uh, real.
1: Well, don't I don't you know my philosophy. I don't give a damn about winning or losing. I just see who's got it hard to run. Most folks are scared to death. they they hot
0: pump Kool-Aid. So, um, Why would they even put him on the ticket? Let's be real. None of this is done by mistake. When you say
1: put him on the ticket, he wouldn't be the county candidate. The county candidate is going to be an incumbent, coach. Mm-hmm. coach. So he's running as a challenger.
0: He's running as a challenger that doesn't actually offer any threat or challenge to anyone he's running against. That's not a challenger.
1: What do you mean, threat or challenge? He's not even ran for statewide office before.
0: Who gives a shit? He's not a threat for anything. He does. What does he stand for? What is he going to challenge? What is his reason no, no, for running no, no, no. for government?
1: You said, you, said, you said, does he have a chance of winning? He's run for statewide office before. Against Kathy Hochul and gotten votes. I'm not saying it changes anything. Your I'm Kathy telling you, he's taken a, a spot yeah, they, on the they, ballot for party, not, for party reasons. Hoechul's not changing nothing. I mean, I
0: mean, we're just talking about... Hoechul's there because she would never change anything. That's why she's part of the party. That's why she's... Well, no. so
1: Jumaane, if he ran, as he has announced he is running, even after he heard about his J running, now she's out the race, this is better for him. He's running in the Democratic primary as a challenger. So he's uh-huh. not on a ticket.
0: A challenger who offers nothing and poses no threat to the power Never know. It's a the challenger the structure but has he
1: ran statewide election before yes has he done pretty good in the statewide election yes that's why he became AG that's why he, uh, that's why he was able to get AG
0: if I were to make it simpler it'd be the same as if I was going to give you a test give you a multiple choice test pick four answers that and none of them are the correct answer but now you have to pick one of these right These is, yeah, this that, is your pool that, of that, answers that, but that's true That is essentially what they're doing when you you run someone like Jamani. We
1: will have a governor. It's either going to be who's running your options as you and I know it on this call right here are going to be Kathy Hochul, as it stands. Mm -hmm. Jumaane Williams as it stands. And this brother, Paul Nichols that you and I met last week. Mm. Those are the candidates. It's going to be one of them. It can't be anybody else because they're not on the ballot. Mm. Simple as that. Are any of them any good? Not, none of my guy to going to change the world, no. What, what position does Paul Nichols have in the party structure?
0: We both spoke to him. You know where this yeah. brother's brain is at.
1: He was coming out of... It came out of Malcolm Smith's office. That's uh-huh. what <laughs> What position does he have in the party structure? Okay. He works for Leroy economy You think Leroy economy supporting him? That's absolutely not true. He has no position in the... Uh, Paul Nichols has no position in the party structure. Now, again, do I think he's a revolutionary? No. Do I think, you know, uh, him winning changes anything revolutionary or dramatically for the state of New York? No, I don't. But does he have a shot at being governor? As long as he's in the race, the answer is yes. Um, And to a lesser degree, so a real degree, Jumani does have a shot at being the next governor of New York State if he stays in the race. He is, he, he is statewide known. He's run a statewide operation before. Um, and, um, he, sure. Lots yeah, I mean, of
0: things are possible, Oz. Yeah. Where does that fit on the probability scale? Be honest.
1: I don't, hey, again, I don't care about winning and losing. You know what I mean? I just, does he, I give him credit just for having the balls to run. Because now, since Tiz James is not running for governor anymore, Clive Vanell announced that he was running for AG. What do you think he's going to do?
0: whatever he's told fucking chicken heart. I don't know what do you think he's going to do. Do they have another spot that they want him to take?
1: What on spot would that be?
0: I don't know. It depends on what they, what chair they need filled. You keep posing these questions. Like these are independent actors when they're not.
1: No, I'm not, uh, no, I'm not asking what I'm asking your opinion. on from what you see, these are moving parts. It can only be a, B or C or D. There's only a limited number of answers. Right, it's not. It's not like it's infinitely. There's an infinite option. He's running. He announced to run for AG. Since James says she's no longer running for governor. She's going to run for AG. I would surmise that he's no longer to run for AG either. The fact that and, and but since he he announced he's running for AG, I got about three or four calls talking about folks who want to run for assembly to fill his seat. I'll, I'm a, I'm interested to see once he says okay, he backs out. It says, "Oh, he's no longer running for AG because Tish is running for AG." How many folks also back out, say they're not running for assembly because he's not leaving the seat? That's what I'm talking about, right? We're just talking about this is just simple democracy. Not no, it open. isn't. If
0: it was actually democracy, it wouldn't break down the way you just said. This is musical chairs. Democracy would be what you were talking about before in the aspirational point where it's like, I don't care who runs. I think it takes bravery to run. Sure. If it was a real fucking race, but that's if it wasn't, a it stat- wasn't pre-decided who sits here and who takes up this spot so we can do whatever we want. That's why I have such a disinterested tone when it comes to these kinds of discussions, because they're barely people.
1: Now, there can only be one county candidate for one position. The county is only going to pick one candidate. That's what they do. And so, therefore, if Kathy Hochul is the incumbent, she's automatically going to be the county candidate. That means Jumani is stepping out. Now, it's a safe way of stepping out because he doesn't have to give up anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tis James was going to have to step out. She was going to have to give up something. She made the decision quick fast. We didn't even get out of the summer yet. Yeah, I mean, we're not even out of the second week of December. Quick, fast. She, she, she rearranged and, and come back. All right, now I won't be doing that no more. And so now you know, she's she focusing on Donald Trump. <laughs>
0: going after Donald Trump is kind of like low-hanging fruit at this point. It's a solid winner, but it's like having a weekly sitcom. You're going to get a certain amount of views, and you're assured of a certain audience.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I am looking at the musical chairs. And it, as well as you know it, as well as I know it, most people don't know half of it.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: don't know half of what you know. They don't know half of what I know. Right. And so when they see folks running, I mean, literally this, this was, this was it. I, I'm speaking to Clive Vanel here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen his, uh, his campaign literature for, well, not literature, but like his first press release, of, cause he did an interview up in Albany. And you know, you talk about how he's an advocate for underprivileged communities.
0: <laughs> that, that man wouldn't no know, <laughs> <in the laughs>
1: um, he was going to be the only Negro in the race for AG. That was his thinking. Now, and you saw us ask some people that question, and they broke out laughing. Yes, <laughs> they broke out laughing. <laughs>
0: You know, I thought I had low self-control when it came to things like that, but I was
1: surprised. They said they liked him for attorney general. That's what they said.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you asked them about advocacy, and they started laughing. I mean, they didn't say they liked him as a person. They said they liked him for attorney general, and then mm-hmm. you asked him about advocacy, if he an advocate, and they broke out laughing. What
0: yeah. was it that, that you said the other day? What um, was it, the lowest common, not even the lowest common denominator, the lowest acceptable.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, uh,
0: so if that's, that's the bar that people are using, Hey, he's not actively in prison at this moment. <laughs> I guess he's a good candidate. If that's where we're actually at anyway, fuck it. There are people in organized crime that could probably do a better job. Then it would be more honest because at least you know where they're coming from.
1: Yes, yeah, True. But now, he was going to run for AG thinking that he was going to get the votes because he would be the only black candidate. Huh. You see the calculus? He never said nothing yeah. about black people in his life. He's still not saying nothing about black people in his life.
0: But well, that has said, a lot to do with where the black left, people. that has a lot to do where the left and black advocacy has been for a few decades now. When it's enough to just have, you know, a nigga slightly, darkly, slightly darker yeah. skin. <laughs> you know? And you'll get a certain amount of the vote because that's all we got to aspire. You know, there's a certain amount of the population who is going to vote for you just because you're a black person anyway. And it's unfortunate, too, because the people who usually gravitate towards that frame of thought where it's like, I just want to see a black guy or I just see one of the Asian guy or whatever. They're usually on the bottom rung of that culture or that society. And they're just like, I just want some representation. What most people mistake for politics is just marketing. And they anyway, don't get it.
1: Let's move on because um, we got a lot of better topics to start discussing. So, little so sister, uh, Derek, for Pernell. I'm not sure how old she would have been. She probably, yeah, because she talks about being in high school around nine eleven. So yeah, that puts a, that should put her. I think it's high school. It might have been elementary school. Anyhow. <laughs> so she says she remembers nine eleven and how after nine eleven happened, she started seeing. Metal detectors in a school.
0: Right? <laughs> she oh, was late to the game. They're trying to protect us from terrorist attacks. <laughs> right? She could come to Jackson back in the day. She'd have seen metal detectors, random step outs and fucking bags being pulled, all kinds of crazy shit. We had better security than you do at the airport today, back in high school. And we're and, talking like the early to mid nineties, all right?
1: And then, so she saw the, the metal detectors. She's thinking this has to do with 9/11, and they're trying to protect us. And then she realized that's not the case. Yeah, and then she sees policing in schools. And I, now, I like, I love this. So this is where it really drew me in, because her progression of thought, right? Mm-hmm. So she, she sees something, and she trying to make logic of it. Metal detectors in schools, it, it gotta be for that. They protect. They wanna, they wanna protect us, right? She's a child. That's what a child's supposed to think. And then she realized that they're still there years later. Metal detectors. And now she's seeing police in school. She's like, why are there police officers? <clears throat> you know what I mean? People get, Again, bites,
0: late get to the locked. party. <laughs> did she go to, a, where did she go to high school? Where did she go to elementary?
1: Where is Pernell I think she's
0: from somewhere down South. Uh, mm, okay. I mean, cause she would have learned that shit real soon up here.
1: I, I forget where she's from. But anyhow, then she talks about, you know, um, growing up being very Christian, like very Christian oriented. Mm. And, um, uh, she remember the pastor making, oh, this is the understanding she came, that she took away, that black people suffer because we don't have enough faith. We don't believe in God enough. That makes sense, right? So you have these ideas because that's what really education is about, right?
0: You mean indoctrination?
1: She, no, no, no. Education because she shed them okay. right? They tried to indoctrinate her, but then she said, oh, no, nah, this is what I've been taught, but nah, this is not what it is. She becomes a lawyer. But she understands that law can't fix it. She can't. You can't fix the problems of racism strictly with the law. And it reminded me of an interview that I heard um, uh, Michelle Alexander give. Michelle Alexander is the author of The New Jim Crow. <laughs> she was a, a lawyer, and she quit law altogether, started uh, teaching at the Union Seminary in Manhattan. Right? She, mm-hmm. she, she she went the theology route. She's like, oh, man, we need Jesus. <laughs> right? She gave up on law. And so I, I was kind of, I saw the parallels. Like, you know, when you when you think something, because, you know, Michelle Alexander talks about how when she started practicing law and people were making these uh, connections, and somebody, she saw a sign that called it uh, the New Jim Crow. She so said, that's a bit extreme. She said, we shouldn't be making those kind of exaggerated comments. Right. Jim they, Crow was a function
0: of law, though.
1: That's what she came to see later on. But she thought that. maybe are
0: you a lawyer and you don't realize that?
1: Well, that, that's again, that's the purpose of education. The idea that you can have an idea. It's fine to think whatever you want. Most people believe in the system. Most people, that's why they get jobs. They go they, and they believe everything's going to work out fine. That's the truth. And, you know, you <laughs> No, most people don't think the the sky is falling. No, that's not
0: true. And it's not know. a fact that the sky is falling. The sky is the propped sky up. Is cool. It's propped up with <laughs> some wicked shit.
1: Uh,
0: but um, the sky isn't falling. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, the system isn't broken. It's functioning just as it's intended. It's just not intended to function for you. So, no, the sky isn't falling. It's quite stable.
1: Well, it's falling on us. <laughs> We didn't let on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. <laughs> <So> <laughs> but um, yeah. So back to 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 Denrica Parnell. So then she starts discussing how you know we 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 don't need police to solve all these issues that we're relying on police to solve. All right? We're we're over reliant on them, and so you sure. know she talks about the alternatives. <laughs> One of the things she she spoke about was like these. Uh, Anti crime, um, these uh, conflict resolution nonprofits that are really profitable nowadays. So, mm-hmm. we got a couple of big ones out here in Southeast Queens. We've got Life Camp with Erica Ford. we got the, the King of Kings with the Fatado brothers. And we have 100 Suits. As I remember, we discussed 100 Suits doesn't do suits anymore. They're, uh, a, they're uh, a conflict uh, advocacy or, or mediation uh, nonprofit now. And they have yeah. a storefront. Overland As
0: Mary. usual, you end up with a consultant-style industry based <laughs> around a problem that's the exact same. Poverty is the problem. We went through this before. Martin Luther King kind of covered this shit extensively. That's why the markets were centered not just around civil rights but around workers' rights. Looking back to figure out where the fuck we're going, people keep looking back and they just stop. They don't keep the whole forward momentum going.
1: Yeah, that's true. that's true. That's that's why we're here, brother. That's why we're here. That's that's our that's function to try and keep it going. When, when well, it
0: sounds- you're never going to solve these problems when you have an industry dedicated to treating the problem.
1: True. Agreed. Oh, Actually, I, I I check you on that. I think they have the same problem. In other words, they don't want you to see them as a bad neighborhood, so they're never going to talk about it like this. Right? They could have the same problems. The mafia existed. White folks are killing white folks. You would never hear how a beach is dangerous.
0: But the thing is, when you talk about it like that, it wasn't white on white crime the way it is for us. Or if you had an interview about it, if they were to talk to a candidate, they wouldn't say, let's talk about white issues and then bring up the gang violence. The way they come into our neighborhood and go, we're going to talk about black issues. And how are going to build you a new precinct? That's not just a black issue. That's a crime issue. That's a poverty issue.
1: Okay. Okay, but my point is that they, that other communities were killing folks at the same rate, but they didn't. They, they still uh they still dressed it up differently.
0: Now, You're not going to have someone like Chris Cuomo get on the air and be like, "Yeah, a couple of guineas shot up the place because Paulie didn't pay." Him. <laughs> right. But that's the thing. You're never going to see that kind of reporting. But with us, you know, if there's any kind of gang activity or just a random shooting, look at the file footage that they even use. Look at that's the right. stock. It, it. You can. Again, it's a stage production, and it's meant to convey a message.
1: And and, uh, to to tag on to that reason why I really, I mean, additionally, I don't know, I'm not sure what was going on this week, but um, so uh, Pernell Sister Derica Pernell was interviewed on Code Switch, and then, as I said, Brother uh, Khalil Gibran Muhammad, uh, he was talking about imagining a world without policing, and he referenced his mother. So, you know, he's from Inglewood, Chicago. That's North side. That's not even South side. What might be considered a white neighborhood, Inglewood. Um, and um, so there was some, sh- recently there's been some shootings in Inglewood, you know, mm-hmm. and his, his mother, right? His mother in Inglewood, was talking about, yeah, she, go, she might have to get a pistol. <laughs> he's like, he's like, his mother get a pistol. I said, before you get a pistol. Why don't you just move out to New Jersey with me? Because I think yeah, he lives in like northern New Jersey because I know he used to be head mm-hmm. of um, the Schomburg Library in Harlem. So um, uh, and he teaches yeah, he, he teaches at Columbia. I think he teaches at Columbia. No, he teaches at Harvard. That's interesting. Well, I get yeah, brothers everywhere. Anyway, a point meaning, uh, he used that example because you know when his mother would talk to him like we need more police because they're shooting, and then she would look at him like <laughs> he said. She looked at me like I know, she know I would disagree, but she, she he didn't know how to, how, when it's an emotional response, right? Cause that's what, that's what the police, this policing is. It's an emotional response. And one of the things I try to tell my students, I tell myself, never act out of emotion. When you're emotional, you don't make good decisions. And so the, the knee jerk response is, Oh, we need police. There's a shooting, but you want to to step back a moment and give it a bit more thought. Right. Um, more police doesn't make safer neighborhoods. Actually, Jesus Christ. There's a survey. We're doing a we're doing a forum on policing in Southeast Queens. I gotta send you guys out the survey. Mm. And um they wanna put me on the committee to organize it. Uh we're actually trying to get Sister Siobhan Newsom as one of the panelists among other folks. Um
0: Policing is going to continue to be the default answer for a lot of these communities because it's an emotional knee jerk response. It ain't not necessary. just not just because it's emotional, but because of the way we've turned the police into a catch all agency. They want to keep their funding. They want to keep their power. They are one. Of, New York NYPD is one of the largest military forces on the fucking planet. All right. You have to realize there are little the NYPD is bigger than some other nation's militaries and better armed. That is not an exaggeration. So when you when you're really talking about what the NYPD does and what how it functions, they are a standing army. They're a policing force.
1: We look We we, I mean, we got ranked voting in New York City. Right, we just passed sure. a law that, that allows people who are non citizens to vote in local elections. We are radical. Insane. Let's be radical <laughs> on this, too.
0: Do you know what that's going to do to the black vote? It is going de- to it.
1: We spoke oh about that last and I agree with you. Yes, let's just find out a new idea.
0: But, uh, but those, those other new ideas, like the letting anybody with a green card vote, that doesn't affect anything that they care about. If anything, the powers that be within the State government just see that as another voter pool that they can expand into. Yeah,
1: but uh, you know, uh, also to that effect, I don't think just because people have the right to vote, they vote. The reason why blacks vote at the clip they do is because they would deny the right to vote. You understand that struggle really
0: makes other it, communities. You, yeah, if but I, we've I, seen.
1: I got a struggle to vote. I don't take voting that seriously.
0: I, I disagree because we've seen we've seen in practice how a motivated community, especially an immigrant community who still has deep ties to wherever will vote in mass as a, as with an effect in mind, you can vote on whatever you want, but are you getting any legislation that actually helps you? Again, Are you getting anything in return for those votes? And the answer okay. for us is no.
1: I did want to discuss, uh, we can touch on a uh, trail real quick. So comical trail is notable, uh, for, uh, Proline Corp. He was the founding member of Proline Corp. If, for those of you not familiar with Proline, that's, uh, let my soul grow. The Jerry Curl, baby. <laughs> he built an empire off the Jerry Curl. And, uh, he's from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, uh, <clears throat> he, along with the Bush family, George W. Bush, he's one of the investors who bought the Texas Rangers. Making him the first Black person to be a part owner of a Major League team, so there are HBCUs, right? And mm-hmm. everybody loves HBCUs. I love HBCUs, uh, but there are a select group of HBCUs mm-hmm. which were absolutely started by Black folks, no white mm-hmm. folks involved, right? Um, <laughs> because I, I just don't believe in inferiority that way. And uh, so there, so those Black folks, by and large, the Amy Church, the Amy Church started about six HBCUs in the country. You hear me talk about Allen University in South Carolina quite a bit, Morris Brown, which is coming back up in Atlanta, Georgia, and we have um, uh, the, uh, the Wilberforce University in Ohio. Those are the three main ones, but there are some smaller ones, and Paul Quinn is one of those smaller ones, and he, he purchased another college campus and moved Paul Quinn there. Uh, uh, they're saving it. I say needed to move, you know, and so, you know, again, he's a, it, I, 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 I equate that to that brother who paid all the tuition for the graduates of, of Morehouse a few years back. You know, right, that, that's, that's support HBCUs in education, whether you went there or not, unimportant, right? The fact that um, that's how he chose to, to use, because he himself, Tom Cotrell, went to the University of Detroit, mm. Right? from Alabama went to Detroit, but he understands the, the, these are our schools. And I know we had a conversation a few years back, Rob. I'm not sure if you remember how um, uh, it wasn't just that, that HBCUs need more than money. So I don't want to just mm-hmm. divide my money. So we're talking about how Martin Luther King, what he does is he makes sure all his kids go to Morehouse. So not mm-hmm. just that the the money comes there, but you send your kids there. That's what health recruitment, right? The idea that I'm going to get to go to school with Martin Luther King's son, I mean, or his grandkids, Right. Is lineage and that's what you really, that's what schools really need. Send your children children there, not just simply money.
0: The only only part of that equation that we're missing, honestly, is you can start the legacy and you can have the family legacy. But part of the reason that people go to the Ivy leagues is because of the connections. So once you make those kinds of corporate connections, you don't have to be good at anything. Look at George W. Bush, (laughs) motherfucker, not the most talented in the family. Let's be honest. But look at the level he was able to rise to because of family name and connections.
1: And okay, but he, he didn't need to go to he did need to go to Harvard for that.
0: It helps. No, it didn't. It did. Okay,
1: come on. He didn't need to go. You and I both know he didn't need to go to Harvard for that. You and I both get. know he didn't need to go to Harvard for that.
0: He didn't need to, but putting putting someone like him in Yale is what got him in connection with the rest of the people who he would later work with in D.C. What are you talking he about? Lit Bush, the family. What are you talking about? This the the, the W. The son the went
1: to Harvard. The father went to Yale.
0: Okay, but my point stands. The reason you put them in those situations in those schools is for the connections.
1: And yeah, to get them, but you understand black people go to a school, they don't get the connections. You can segregate a classroom mm-hmm. and still give you an inferior education in the same classroom. And sure. these, schools only, these schools only loom large in your head if you allow them to loom large in your head.
0: How, it's Howard, not about them looming large, it's about them, large. them literally providing the connections and the endowment.
1: You get a lot of connections going to Howard as well. Actually, there was, there was a,
0: a, a I don't a, think <laughs> I don't know if they are going to get the same level of protection against your own inequity that you would in those other schools.
1: Again, again, if you believe that your own stuff is inferior, then it is. You got. It's not about
0: them. being inferior. You can get an actual education there. What I'm saying is, the people aren't going to those other Ivy Leagues for the education.
1: My point is, even even if you go there, you're still an outsider right? Ask, ask, ask little Jabron. Ask Cordell West.
0: Uh-huh.
1: He can still be an outsider. Just go there. ain't enough. Racism is real. Racism is, real. Racism is real. oh, he went to Harvard. No, it doesn't. Right? When when, when, when Skip Gates, when the cops come into Skip Gates, it, <laughs> <his> house, <laughs> arrest him for entering his own house, he's a Harvard professor. They don't say, oh, he's a Harvard professor? He's still a nigger.
0: Uh-huh.
1: My point is, I'm not sure if that protects you from it, so my point is you might as well I start building up your own institutions, and and mm-hmm. uh, that's what these brothers that um, agreed upon. And uh, Como Cottrell—that's what he. I remember him for. I think it's worthy a note. Whatever else he done, um, just the idea of supporting schools. Uh,
0: but my point is that that's what we need to work on. That's the element that's missing, and why you would have people who would still prefer to go to those Ivy League schools because it's not about the actual education. You can get the same education anywhere, the same quality. If you're an auto die deck, you can read for yourself and learn these things. My point is that you send your kid there, whether you know they're an idiot or not. So they get the connections so they can get that no real responsibility job. that makes them thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. When you go to some of these HBCUs, you're get, you can get a quality education, but you're not going to have the same golden parachute sewn for you. You're not going to make those kinds of connections. That's the thing that really would deter Students from going to HBCU. Well,
1: oh, again, my point is, um, if hold up, Kamala Harris went to HBCU. She's mm-hmm. vice president of America. If, uh, if, uh, if, uh, what you call it, um, uh Baracks' kids, if they go to Howard, they can still do whatever they want to do. That's my point.
0: They Not should, because they, they went to Howard, but they would have had the same opportunities because they're Baracks' kids. Baracks' kids going there brings.
1: They should have went to HBCUs. That's my point. That's why they were never going to do
0: that because that doesn't appeal to them.
1: MLK's kids go to HBCUs. MLK's kids are still going to have access because they're MLK's kids. That's my
0: Barack Ain't MLK. He ain't, he's nowhere even near that same mindset.
1: My point is, I'm just saying, I understand that. I'm not, I'm just saying, but I'm just saying that MLK, his kids going to Morehouse, they going to have the same access whether they go to Howard or not. If you dig, they still, they still going to be, but they're
0: not normal people. I'm talking about your average person. average person,
1: When you have these people who go to these schools, even if they like, so Melania, or I mean the, the Obama kids, MLK kids, once these kids all start going to these black schools, then those schools become those same kind of spheres. Cause now I want to make those networks. That's my point. That's why he said we should send the kids there, not just give them money, because you want to have those of influence. I got to go to school with ML kids, kids MKS kids. I got to go to school with the Obama kids, right? That's 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 what you talk about networking, and that's what I'm talking about building that network because the money ain't enough. You, you
0: gotta- can't build that network based on just celebrity. You got to have the kids of a banker going there. You know why? Not a it's banker that the- you know.
1: Atlanta got more black banks than New York City. Atlanta got three HBCUs, four HBCUs.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Got more black banks in New York City. Yes, so they got bankers' kids at those HBCUs, yes.
0: Well, those are the ones that you need to actually promote. Not Melania or anybody else's kids. Not even MLK's kids, because they ain't going to get your ass a job. That's why these kids are going there. That's why those parents are sending their kids there. To keep that money flow going. To keep that quote-unquote yes. class if, if structure. You
1: believe, if you believe that you can't do something, then you can't.
0: Do you I didn't you say do you yeah, you? the no. proof is in the pudding. Okay. Where are these financial houses hiring from? Where are these financial houses sending their kids? Yeah, they're going
1: to HBCUs because they're trying to be more diverse. Welcome to 2021. <laughs> That's okay. what they're going. They're hiring from HBCUs because they try to push diversity in 2021. They're not going to go to Harvard to push for diversity. If they go to Harvard, they hire white kids. If they go to HBCUs because they're looking for black kids, because they're pushing diversity.
0: Welcome and them five black kids yeah. that they let in to check that yeah. box still, are going to have the same problems.
1: The FBI has said that they've recognized that they have a problem. 80% of the FBI hires are white. Only 5% are black. So what are they doing? They're going to HBCUs to hire the FBI so they can have I'm more agents okay. who are black. That's what they're doing. They're not going to Harvard to look for black students. They're going to go to HBCUs, to look for black students. Their benefits for going to HBCUs. But before we, we, we before we, well, we went over, uh, I just wanted to touch on, um, so that's Cottrell. We're not going to get to John Brown today. But Malcolm X messages to, messages to the grassroots. Um, uh, it was, I missed it, but I just thought that it was appropriate, especially in this day and age when we talk about organizing. And, you know, he, he makes, this is a famous speech because he makes a couple of really, well, I mean, good points, points that you should know, but uh, sometimes you need reminding. The idea when you organize, you get, you got to put everything at your door, at your door. Leave your differences at the door. Recognize the reason why we're in a meeting, the reason why we're organizing, is we're identifying something that we all benefit from. So leave all your titles and your privileges and your religion at the door. Yeah, you know, right? The, the, the Recognize the reason why a community is oppressed, right? We got we got black Hebrews. They're they not, they not oppressed because they're Hebrew, they're not oppressed because they're Muslim, right? Because we're black. And so therefore identifying that enable enables us to now get <laughs> of started to focus on what unifies us all and what can benefit us all. And, um, <laughs> he has very sharp critiques of, uh, that's now.
0: why we've had such a regression in the actual activism and having a real movements of any type though. If you look at most modern activism today, it's, it's stovepiped into these stupid little categories. So you can't have that kind of broad consensus. That's what happens Great. when you have an industry based on this shit. Nobody's Great. actually looking to solve these problems. They're looking to make a career off of these problems. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. The shit, it's been professionalized, right? It's been professionalized.
0: It's the literal, that's the consultant class that we talk about all the time. You know, that that's part of the rot and the problem, not just in politics, but in actual grassroots organizing and activism. We see these groups come in all the time and try and get support in meetings. You've seen it more than I have. That's why there is no effective left wing in the United States, because it's corporatized.
1: Yeah. That's how you
0: can have. that's how you can have an organization like BLM and still have zero legislation put forward from them. BLM is not a black
1: group, mind you. That's a white group.
0: White exactly group, right? as I was saying, it's a stage play.
1: Yes. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. But um, <laughs> oh man, she, we went over a little bit. Um oh, man, uh, <laughs> you have any uh, uh, any closing thoughts for the brothers and sisters out there and, uh, <laughs> before we we got off? It was an energetic one today. We,
0: yeah. we to we seek real come. results. Look, look for real results outcomes and outcomes and policy. Don't go for titles because that's what they use a lot of times. When you hear somebody's claim to be an ally that I think honestly ended up being the the weird focus of a lot of what you talked about tonight, the misdirection that's out there. And a lot of it is what's used to cover up the deceit at the heart of a lot of politics.
1: I agree. You made a lot of miseducation. I'm going to leave with uh, a lot of it. Yeah. It's it's funny. I always say that first they taught us, they they made it a legal force to read and then they try to control what we read. And now they're giving us the wrong thing to read. That's the phrase three. Hey, <laughs>
0: <Misf-education>.
1: Um <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um, Malcolm X. We need more light in each other. Light creates understanding. Understanding creates love. Love creates patience. And patience creates unity. Till next time, my Africans and Africanettes, and those of you who are African adjacent, this is The Appeal on the Wake Up Radio, Sister Cindy Ashby. Shout out to all my own The Wake Up Radio family. Till next time, the Black style of Your Life. Peace. Thanks for keeping the lights on, D'Ang. Sing the ass On the wake up. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure by the promise of these things brutes have risen to power but they lie they do not fulfill that promise they never will dictators free themselves but they enslave the people now let us fight to fulfill that promise let us all unite otwtube.com uncensored free speech platform